Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. We are in Ephesians, and if you haven't been with us this uh, past few weeks, we're going through the, the letter written to the church of Ephesus. It's an awesome letter. It's a letter of identity. It's a letter of fruitfulness. First three chapters, the identity we have in Christ, the Spirit of God in man. And then, praise God, there's the Spirit of God through man. Chapters 4, 5, and 6. And we in the uh, last three chapters, um, getting into chapter 5 now. So I want to encourage you, obviously, um, if you haven't been with us for the first three chapters, you might feel like uh, some of what we're getting into this morning um, is a little bit heavy. It's a little bit of uh, focusing on fruit, but we're not focusing on fruit because we've already covered where is this fruit coming from. It's coming from the root. It's coming from my identity. It's not coming from a place of I have to do X, Y, and Z. I need to act like this or act like that, and I should stop doing this, and I should stop doing that. No. These things that are being covered, and uh, I'm going to continually, as I'm sharing these things, minister the, 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 the root to us because it's always good to be reminded that we're not fruit-focused, we're root-focused. It's a big difference. We're not fruit-focused. We're not fro- focused on what I need to do, what I should stop doing. No, we are focused on the root that is the love of Christ, the Spirit of God in me, my new nature, my new identity, getting to know that. And as I do, the fruit is coming as a natural byproduct. Amen. Isn't that easy? Religion, uh, religion puts so many things in front of us and I need to be a better person and I need to stop sinning and I need to stop this and I need to stop that where God just invites us to relationship, intimacy, and the fruit is a byproduct. Isn't that easy? That's so much better, so much nicer than having to perform for God, feeling like you're in a circus. Anyone feels like their family is a circus sometimes? <laughs> Good stuff. Um, God isn't about a family of a circus coming together, performing, seeing who's the best performer. No, he's, he's, he's about family intimacy and the love of Christ being in us and among us. And when there's someone that, that is living out their identity and they're maturing, it's an encouragement to someone else. It's not a condemning on someone else. Amen. We look to one another, not in a comparing way, in a, oh man, I wish I'm, I, I was like Anna. I wish I was like Devon. I wish I was like Norman. No, the Spirit of God in Norman, the Spirit of God in Anna, the Spirit of God in Devon is the same Spirit that's in you that's desiring to come out and bring forth fruitfulness. Amen. That's God's desire for us to bear much fruit because in doing so, we show that we are God's disciples. We show that we are His children by our fruit bearing. Ephesians chapter 5 is 1 to 2. This is awesome. We looked at this last week and we'll uh, just uh, recap from there into this morning's verses. Therefore, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example. As well, beloved children, imitate their father and walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a slain offering, a sacrifice to God for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. So this is beautiful. The, the message translation just talks about this, this beautiful picture of uh, uh, learn from God and watch what he does. All he does is love you. That's beautiful. When you get, get to know the love of God in the way that he desires for us, it's not superficial. It's not like I love tea. I love cake. I love coffee. 
Now I've got a life for tea. I've got a life for coffee. More so coffee than tea, uh, if you know me. So, but the love of God goes beyond the things that we put value on here on earth. The love of God is, is immeasurable. It's unconditional. There's no, there's no T's and C's to the love of God. He didn't love to get something from you. He loved because that's his very nature. That's his essence. And so when we get to know this love, even when I'm at my lowest low, even when I'm at my meanest mean, God still showering love on me. Romans uh, 8 verse 5, sorry, 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, while you were a sinner, while you could not offer anything to God, God sent Jesus to die for you. When you had nothing, wanted nothing to do with God, even maybe at times in your life right now, you, you're going through um, phases where at times you feel like, I don't want anything to do with God. He wants everything to do with you. Everything. Every part of your life, he's interested about it. Every struggle that you have, he's interested in that struggle. Pete encourages us and he writes and he says, uh, bring our cares, your worries, our concerns, bring it to him, lay them down at his feet. The Passion Translation says, lay them down at his feet for he cares for you, but leave them there. Oftentimes we bring our cares to God, our worries. We lay down at his feet and then we're like, uh, as we walk away, we're like, suitcase and here we go with our cares again and it's just a burden for us the invitation is to bring them to god and lay them down at his feet so watch what god does learn from him learn his love i always use the example chris my son i'm not like i don't have to tell him what to do i get to model to him how to live as the saying goes our children don't do what we say they do what we do there's no point in, I, in, in me telling Chris, hey, be loving. Stop uh, uh, hurting the kids around you. And I'm at home hitting Catherine and uh, bullying her. Right? I can't say one thing and then model out another thing. And that's the awesome thing about God. Jesus modeled the nature of God for us. The love that he demonstrated, the people that he hung, hung out with. It was all because of love, all because of compassion. And so he modeled that for us. And as we get to know him, as we get to know this love, we will also flow in this love. Verse 3 to 4 from the Passion says, And I have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust, or greed. For you are his holy ones, and let no one be able to accuse you of them in any form. Now this is awesome again. So it talks about fruit, sexual immorality. It talks about lust. It talks about greed. But then it says, for you are his holy ones. So because you are his holy ones, because you've got the new nature, this shouldn't be part of your life. Again, the root produces the fruit. So we need to get to know this root of God inside of us, the spirit of God inside of us. Verse 4, guard your speech, forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical uh, words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Highlight. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out with your words. I'm going to read the verse 4 from the Amplified Classic. It says, Let there be no filthiness, obscenity and indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming, but instead voice your thankfulness to God. Say with me, thankfulness. 
It says, instead, voice your thankfulness to God. I want to jump down to verse 3 again from the message. It says, don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices of bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. That's verse 4. Thanksgiving is our dialect. So let's focus in on, on this quickly for a moment. How does one avoid these things? It talks about sexual immorality. It talks about lust. It talks about greed. How do you avoid sexual immorality? How do you avoid lust? How do you avoid greed? Verse 4 gives us the answer. Let your life be full of thanksgiving. If you're a thankful person, you're going to be a person very... That the devil is going to tempt you very difficultly. He can't tempt a thankful person because guess what? If you're thankful for your spouse, you're not going to last after another. If you're thankful for the thing that's that you have right now, you're not consumed with the things that you're coveting. It is so, so, so easy. If you learn a life of thanksgiving, you're going to learn a life that the devil can never come and tempt. You're building up a resistance to temptations. You might ask and wonder, so how do I give thanks? Very easy. Start by looking at the clothes you're wearing. Praise God, everyone in this room is wearing clothes. Maybe your clothes are smelly. Maybe they're 20 years old. Guess what? It's still clothes. Some people don't have clothes this morning. Some people don't have a shirt on their back this morning. Some people weren't blessed to have a warm cup of coffee this morning. And you're asking me where to start. Do I need to continue? There's a lot to be thankful this morning. And even if you run out of everything that you can be thankful for this morning in the natural and the carnal, guess what? Spiritually speaking, the Spirit of God in you, the gift that God laid down His life for you, He did not deserve it. That is worth giving thanks for until kingdom come. Maybe I'm sipping on your toes this morning. Maybe you're a person that doesn't know how to give thanks and you're just complaining and you're just looking at everyone else's lives and you're like, I don't have that and I don't have that and I don't have that. That's probably why your life is so full of greed, lust, and all of these negative things because you don't know how to give thanks to God. A thankful heart is one that is free from the temptation of sin. A thankful heart glorifies God and our oneness with Him, even if there's nothing else we can think of. Thankfulness glorifies God. Galatians 5, 16, this is awesome. So again, the question, how do we avoid these things? And these are just a few sins that is uh, uh, mentioned here. Sexual immorality, lust, and greed. Galatians 5, 16. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is everything to do with our relationship with God. And how do we have and why do we have relationship with God? Because of everything that Jesus made available to us. Walking in the spirit is a, 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 it's talking about 
not physical walking, guys. Like you don't have to say like, okay, now I'm walking in the spirit. I've got my helmet of, of salvation and I've got my breastplate of righteousness. And we're like making it this, this, this physical thing that we have to do. No, walking in the spirit is a life that is consumed with the things of God. Um, the scripture that is brought, I think Mikey brought it, um, to, 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 to not be consumed with the things on earth, but the things that are in heaven. And so to not look with this, the, 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 the eyes that, or the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. So it's everything to do with our relationship with God and the new nature, the new spirit that we've been given. Maybe you don't know what that means. What do I mean by new nature, new spirit that you've been given? If you open up your Bible, there's a chapter called Corinthians. Now, why do I say if you open up your Bible? It's important to open up your Bible. It's important to open up the Bible app on your phone if you've got it on your phone. Why is it? Because we're all about like carrying the Bible under our arms and quoting scripture to sound clever and all of these things. No, it's not about any of that. Paul said that knowledge puffs up. If you're going to do it for knowledge sake and to sound clever, it's not going to profit you anything. But it's important to get to know the word of God because like we said this morning, God's word shows his will to us. It shows his, his, his character, his nature, his love for us. And so if we don't know this, then we can't become confident in the things that he has for us. God desires for us to have relationship. Walking in the spirit is talking about relationship with God, enjoying relationship with him and enjoying relationship with one another. And as we do that, as Galatians 5, 16 says, as we do this, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not get tempted with sin and all of these things because we're walking in the spirit, because we're thanks, giving thanks to God, because we're glorifying him, because we're partaking of one another. Again, when I'm just continually meditating on how, how good Catherine is to me, for those who don't know, Catherine is my wife. So if I'm continually giving thanks to God, man, uh, Catherine loves me so much. She's forgiving of me. When I did this, she just showed grace to me. When I did that, she just again showed grace to me. I don't deserve that. When I'm continually focusing on her love, her goodness, a mercy shown and demonstrated to me, I've got no desire in my heart to go and cheat on her. That is what God is inviting us to. A life that is consumed with his love for us, what he's done for us, the things that we can be thankful for on a daily basis. When we do that, your life will be free from sin. Isn't that easy? You don't need to fight sin. You don't need to kick sin out of your house. You just focus on the love of Christ, what he's done for you in the spirit of God in you, and sin will be no effect. It will have no uh, impact on your life. Verse 5 to 7 from the message translation says, you can be sure that using people, this is going to bless you guys. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations of idolatry will get you nowhere. And certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk but wants nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. Now, what is Paul getting into here? What is he talking about? 
Now, there's a few things that he's not saying. He's not saying that people who are into, what is it, how does he put it? People that are into sales talk. People that are uh, uh, religiously having smooth talk. They're in it just for what they can get out of the people that they're ministering to. This is all about a gospel that is trying to get people to give into their ministries. A gospel that says, if you give, obviously to my ministry and what I'm doing, then God is going to bless you. This is infuriating God. Because this is not God's nature. The gospel isn't about a sales pitch, so to speak, where I sell the gospel to you and then you buy it from me. The gospel is free. It, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs God everything. Jesus paid the price. How would it look if I go to a Christmas tree and it's not <laughs> our family's Christmas tree and I start taking those presents, they're beautifully wrapped, and I go and start resell them to other people. That's just crazy. That's what people are doing with the gospel by making it about financially benefiting from it. And this obviously happened. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have had to address this issue. But remember, the Spirit of God is the root for us not to live in this self-centeredness. Don't even hang around people like that. Now, why, does, why is Paul encouraging the church to not uh, associate or hang around people like that? Is he saying they are evil, they are the devil, they're going to not be in heaven one day? No. He doesn't want that type of behavior to rub off on them. Because whoever you're mingling around, they're going to rub off on you. Especially if you're not a mature believer. Because Paul said, I became all things to all men so that I can win some. Now, don't quote that scripture as an addict going to a bar and then you just get drunk every night. But at least I became all things to all men, right? You can't take the word of God out of context. If you've got a challenge, if something, uh, if you haven't matured out of a place where you've overcome that addiction or that problem, then manage it to a degree in a natural way until you see the revelation of the freedom of God inside of you so that you can hang out with those people. So we need to always take the word of God in context and just, not just quote scriptures without understanding the context. So don't hang around with people like that. People like that makes the gospel self-centered and the gospel isn't self-centered. Our giving towards the gospel shouldn't be self-centered either. Whether it's to the church, to a specific ministry, it can't be to get something. It can't be to get brownie points from God. It should be because generosity is in our hearts. Because we want the gospel to advance. So whether this ministry is advancing the gospel, whether this ministry is, is, is enabling me to grow up spiritually speaking. What do I mean by grow up spiritually speaking? You don't receive a baby Holy Spirit when you get born again. Amen. You receive the fullness of God. You receive a full mature Holy Spirit. But growing up takes place in your thinking and in your heart. And as that gets transformed, Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as we renew our minds to the reality of the Spirit of God inside of us, then that takes fruitfulness. Then there's maturity that comes into play. And so that's our, our, 
one of the, the, the purposes of us gathering, to get, gathering together on Sundays and any other meeting we have in the week as well, it's for the equipping. It's for the establishing of the believers. It's not for a holy huddle to come and sing Goomba Ya and then feel better about ourselves and then there's a spiritual high, but there's no fruitfulness into the rest of the week. The purpose of maturity is fruitfulness. The purpose of fruitfulness is so that the rest of the world can experience the love of Christ. The gospel is not self-centered. I know you wanted it to be self-centered. I know you wanted to just come here and get all you can and can all you get and sit on your can. The gospel is not self-centered. And when you get to know the love of Christ, that is not going to make you feel bad. It's going to make you feel good because you realize that there's more for you to live for than just yourself and having your needs met. But to close this thought of what Paul is communicating here, whenever finances comes up, whenever we're in a setting where finances comes up, we really need to guard our hearts. Because finances is such a, a thing that has been distorted within the Christian community. Africa is corrupt with financial manipulation. America as well. The church of God, unfortunately, worldwide, is infested with people who've, who've either consciously or subconsciously started manipulating the gospel, as Paul says here, and it's just sales talk. It's people seeing what they can get from the people that they're ministering to. Man, we should never give an order that we, or we should never give anything expecting something in return. Because that's not a motivation of love. That's not God's nature. Giving so that I can see what I'm going to get from this situation. Can I get amen? Ephesians 5, 8 and 9 says, Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. This is awesome. Paul is again communicating, man, these things were things that you were struggling with. And even if you're still struggling with them, remember that it's your old nature that hasn't been renewed yet. The old nature has been crucified with Christ. You've got a new nature. You've got a union with him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. So again, we need to focus in on our union with him. We're not to focus in on how am I going to get closer to God? How am I going to get into his presence? If I have a good week, if I give to the poor, if I share the gospel to that person, man, then I'm, gonna, yes, I'm just going to feel close to God then. The instruction and the encouragement is not for us to try and get close to God. It's getting a revelation of how close we are with God, how united we are with God. Amen? And as we get to know this, as it becomes real to us, there's going to be a fruitfulness that we're going to enjoy. Because of our union with him, verse 10 and 11. And try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to him. 
take no part in, have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. That's a funny way of communicating. Enterprises of darkness. So again, coming from this thought and this idea of there's, there's enterprises, so to speak, they labeled ministries, they labeled churches, but it's enterprises of manipulating people to get from the people, selling the gospel to them, selling a miracle to them, selling a healing to them. Where did Jesus ask money of people that he ministered to, laid hands on and saw them receive a miracle? Yet we see this and hear about this in churches all across the world. That's not God's heart. Verse 11, take no part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, but instead let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. Now, this is awesome, and we'll, we'll camp in on this, this phrase and this verse a little bit. Let your lives be so in contrast as to exposing and reproving and convicting them. What is talk, this talking about? It's not talking about, I need to go on Facebook, and you get people like this <laughs> who've made ministries of this way. They're all out to see how they can correct all other churches and ministries in what they're doing wrong. There's no ministry like that. There's no invitation like that from God as to build a ministry that looks like that. But let your lives, the way that you're living, the fruit that you're bearing, let that expose the darkness. Let that convict other people. Maybe you've got some friends and maybe you're that friend where, man, people feel uncomfortable around you. Why? Because you're living a life on purpose and on mission and that's uncomfortable for people who are not living life on purpose and on mission. Right? Maybe you know people like that where they're like, you try and avoid them a little bit or you try and not get into uh, too intimate conversations with them because their life and the things that they're choosing is challenging you. I just want to settle your hearts quickly. There's a reason why we are called the body together so that we can minister to one another. So that we can spur one another unto love and good works. So when you see another brother living their life on purpose, don't feel condemned and withdraw from that brother. Ask the Spirit to show you why are they bearing so much fruit? Why are they so persuaded and convicted about living this life on purpose? I want in on that. And God will touch your heart. God will minister to your heart. You don't need to become a copycat of them and try and copycat their fruit. No, go to the root of why are they experiencing that fruit. And it's always going to boil down to the love of Christ. The way we live and the things, the, the way we make decisions should expose other people's motives and the, the, the things that they're doing. Verse 11 from the King James says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful, unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The word fellowship here, the Strongs define it as, don't share in company with or co-participate in. So fellowship is not as much talking about don't, don't be in those people's company because if they're going to touch you, they're going to contaminate you. That's not what the word is talking about. 
But what it is saying, don't participate in what they are doing. Don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but reprove them. The word reprove here is defined as convict, convince, rebuke, or reprove. So again, sometimes within the family of God, there's a time to rebuke. There's a time to reprove. But why does the motivation need to be always? Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear you, you has gained thy brother. What should be the motivation? To tell them how bad they are? No. To tell them how good you are? No, to gain your brother back. The motivation is not to point out a wrong. The motivation is to bring reconciliation. That is love. That is God's nature. But ultimately, we also need to, as believers, and this is going to be a difficult one for you, especially those. Uh... We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.